It's good morning from me. My name's Peter. I'm one of the pastors here. Good to uh, have you at church. Over the, uh, the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at friendship and uh, been looking at it uh, in particular uh, because of uh, the fact that I think it's a very helpful category uh, for us to understand the nature of relationships between each other as we transition into becoming a restoration church. The first week we looked at um, being friends with God. Last week I talked about being friends with each other. And today we're going to look at the mechanics of friendship. And I want to open today by asking you this question. Uh, what makes friendships go? I'm not talking about super, superficial friendship. Uh, I'm talking about the deeper, closer kind. If, uh, if your friendships with others was a car and you popped the bonnet and had a look under the bonnet, uh, what is it uh, that would be in there? Uh, what makes them go? I wonder if you've got any ideas about that. Let me give you a few options uh, of things that people might come up with uh, that makes friendships go. Agreement. Uh, having similar opinions uh, to other people. Agreeing on lots of stuff. Uh, doing life the same way. Um, C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said the typical, ex- typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. Uh, the idea of agreement might be something that you'd come up with that is kind of the engine room uh, for, uh, for friendships. Maybe you would uh, go for something different. Maybe you'd go for something like uh, effort uh, because it's really important to put effort into relationships. Uh, you need to do that. Uh, left to themselves, they don't tend to, uh, to grow closer and closer. They tend to drift apart. Uh, but I would ask the question, if you, if you kind of put forward effort, and I think effort is very important, in friendships Um, but let me ask you this question when you're considering the mechanics of friendship the question really is what are you doing uh, when you're putting effort in Uh, what kind of thing are you putting effort into that's the question Uh, you know there's no friendship that's maintained without effort but what is the effort uh, being put into what's the focus of it you uh, you might come up with something like um Friendship, the, the mechanics or the engine room of friendship is um, similar interests. Um, you like the same things. And maybe you like sport or the arts. Or if you look at uh, sitcoms over the last 20 to 30 years, you're in the same dysfunctional place as the other person. Have you noticed that? Uh, Seinfeld, Fred, I mean, just, there's a lot of shows that are filled with dysfunctional people, and they're all similarly dysfunctional. Or alternatively, in Australia, you could just um, go for, uh, oh, jeez, I've had a beer. Beer's a big one, all right? People just sitting around, it's like, okay, we're friends because we all like Forex. That, and, and that's kind of the subtext, right, of a lot of uh, alcohol ads, Uh, We could go on and on looking at what makes friendships go, but there's something, I think, that underlies all of them that's deeper than all of that. And it's something that pops up in Scripture all over the place. And it's a bit like last week I said to you that uh, there's no specific chapter in the Bible that teaches you how to be a good friend um, specifically, but uh, Scripture tips its hat at friendship uh, all over the place. Uh, and, and this kind of mechanism, the engine room for friendship is one of those. It just kind of pops up all over the place. Um, and it's, it's almost like Scripture assumes that this is the way 
that relationship's actually wrong. Um, and so what I want to do is just have a quick look at one of the times it pops up, and it's in the Gospel of John, and it's actually right in the middle of John's, uh, Jesus' discourse, I should say, from 14 to 16, which is all about union, uh, union with God, it's all about intimacy with God, uh, it's about the, uh, the Trinity and how we're invited into that community. Here's the section I want to read of a bold and italicized part of it. Jesus says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Now stop for a moment and have a look at the bold and the italicized section there that you can see on the screen. And, and just think for a minute. What, what is the difference between being a servant and being a friend that Jesus is saying? Well, have a look at the servant bit. What is true of the servant? Well, he or she doesn't know what his master is doing. He or she doesn't have the inside word. He or she is not in on the goss of what's really happening. He or she is an external observer and only has limited information. What's true of a friend? Well, you can see it there, right? I have called you friends for all that I've heard from my Father I've made known to you. Jesus has let them in on the inside word. That's, that's why they're friends. Um, that, that's characteristic of what friendship is. They know about the Father. They know what he is up to because Jesus has let them in on it. You know, it was only in chapter 14 of John, just a chapter earlier, um, just a little bit earlier in this discourse, that Jesus said, if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. So in effect, Jesus is saying, I've told everything that the Father has said to you. In a sense, he's saying Jesus is actually letting them know who he is as well. They're getting to see on the inside. Jesus is opening himself and his father up to be known by the disciples. And what Jesus is doing is what makes friendships go. Or to put it another way, what makes friendships go is people knowing and being known by each other. That's the engine room of friendship. It's the mechanics of friendship, knowing and being known. And this is what it's all about. You can see this the whole way through Scripture, you start at the very beginning and and we find out from the very first chapter of the Bible that God is a self-revealer. He wants people to know about him. And he doesn't want people to know about him because he's a narcissist. He wants people to know about him because he's personal and relational by nature. And the way that you actually form ongoing and deep and ongoing relationships is by opening yourself up to being known by people. This is just the way it works. I mean, God, before he created the universe, before he created everything, he existed in three persons, constantly in relationship with each other, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so this three-personal God, who is this one God who exists in three persons, creates the world, that in this world he comes and he tells people who he is. You know, we, can, we could spend a lot of time on this, and I've done a fair bit on this, uh, and, and we, could, we could go through scripture after scripture where this stuff happens. 
potentially uh, in, in the first five books of the, the Bible, the Pentateuch, the books of Moses, um, that's probably the, the high point, I think, in terms of God's self-revelation occurs in Exodus chapter 34, where God speaks with Moses. Just read that section. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, with Moses there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. That's really saying he told Moses about who he is, his character. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, what's God doing here? Well, he's talking about who he is. That's what he's doing. You do this all the time. You talk about who you are to people. This is what God's doing. And how many people is God revealing himself to here? Anyone know? One. This is not a sermon to 15,000 people. This is God revealing himself to one. Who was that one? It was Moses. Who is Moses? Well, go back a chapter and it says this about the relationship between God and Moses. The Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. You see that? This is, this is one friend telling another about who he is that's what it is I mean there's more going on than that but it, it, at, at, at the at the very least that's what we've actually got going on here and so God and Moses from God's point of view God's engaging in self-revelation with someone who he talks to as a friend It's actually the way that friends do relationship. They talk to each other and they let themselves be known. You can see this similar dynamic in the Psalms in the NIV. Psalm 25 verse 14, The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. There's so much more to say about this and not enough time to say it. The long and the short of it is this. Knowing and being known is the center of doing friendship. It's the engine room of doing friendship. It's what makes them go. Knowing and being known happens when friends open up and let the other person see them and know them. See and know their thoughts, their feelings, their wins, their losses, their preferences, their likes, their dislikes, their experiences in life, what, what matters to them and so on. Now, this is what it's all about. It's all, all about opening ourselves up to be known by another and then taking an interest in knowing another. This is part of our uh, creation as image bearers. We are personal, relational beings by nature and God's made us to do relationship with each other and the way that we do it is by opening ourselves up to being known and knowing others. Now, you can try and shut off and, and I'm sure this has happened to you. You, uh, you have a situation where you just go, I don't want to be known by that person. I'm not even interested in them. And you can try and shut off the personal, but the reality is that it always seeps out. You can see what's going on with people by their body language, right? Even when they won't talk to you. 
Now, this is what friends do. Friends traffic in being personal with each other. It's their bread and butter. Let me give you an example from a uh, conversation with one of my close friends recently. Came back from holidays and um, we're on the phone and I was just telling him about the holiday. And we went to Rainbow Beach and um, we got down to Double Island Point, which was, uh, which was great. I told him about the beautiful sands, the, uh, the forward driving, uh, the point break, a Double Island Point, which the boys uh, surfed on their boogie boards, the swimming. And I also told him how good it all was for my soul. He told me about how he and his family are going and, and how they have to move house soon and, and what that meant for them. And then I kind of talked about how God had shown me a few things while I was away on holidays as I was reading scripture. And he kind of said, oh, can you tell me about that? Can you tell me what, what God had shown you? Because I'd like to know about that. You see, it's, it's, it's normal, it's natural. But what's actually going on in that moment is you've got two people being personal, two people knowing and being known by each other. That is normal for friendship. You know, it wasn't just a conversation about facts. You can have conversations about facts, but when you have those with people, you don't have a close friendship. You know, most of you probably do that kind of stuff without even really thinking about it much. But in friendship, in a friendship over time, the way it's meant to work is that stuff's meant to become more and more natural and the relationship naturally deepens. But not always. Not always. At Restoration Church, we want to be a people who are friends with each other. You with me? Do you want that? Do you want to be friends with the people that you're doing church with? If we're going to do that, we need to be prepared to be, to be known and know one another. So in that light, let me give you uh, five... I'm going to keep this brief today. In that light, let me give you five principles that sit in behind knowing and being known. You ready? Knowing and being known is a choice. You go back to that uh, text from John in John 15, 15. It is Jesus that's made the decision to tell the disciples uh, everything that he's heard from the Father. The disciples didn't get on Jesus' case or uh, try to manipulate him or pressure it out of him. He opened up to them. Now, God... Uh, Jesus is God and he has sovereign authority, but this is actually true in any relationship that you have, any friendship. And when it comes to, being, to knowing and being known, it's actually something that you offer to someone else, not something that you manipulate out of them or force out of them. It's kind of like the old saying that you can't force the petals of a flower open. It either opens up or it doesn't. If you try to force the petals of a flower open, what do you do to it? You break it. You mangle it. It's the same way in relationships. People either open themselves up to you and you get to know them or they don't. And who gets to choose that? They do. They do. I mean, you can provide the context that's, um, that's really conducive to them doing that, but they're the ones ultimately that decide it. Here's a second principle behind uh, knowing and being known. <clears throat> knowing and being known is risky. It's, it's just risky. Uh, so here's the bottom line. 
You can't do any relationship without taking a risk. None. Can't do any. You can't do knowing and being known without taking a risk because it requires that you open up and be vulnerable at some point. It's just how it rolls. And here's the a, here's a reality. If you decide that you're going to be open and be known, you're actually putting yourself out there in a position where you could be hurt. And who knows that people get hurt in relationships? Has anyone noticed that? Anyone live longer than 10 minutes? And you notice that? It's not a particularly hope-filled thing for me to say this next thing, but um, it, it's the nature of relationships. You, ha- you have to enter an uncontrolled space to do a relationship. You just have to. And at the end of the day, I'll tell you, there's, there's two options. And, and a lot of us have been caught in the dilemma between the, these two is stay safe and be alone or take a risk and leave open the possibility of a close friendship, but also the possibility of being hurt by someone else. Now that can be a really difficult dilemma to be stuck in. Does anyone know what I'm talking about with this dilemma? I'll tell you something, what makes it harder is if you've been hurt really, really deeply in relationship. If you've been hurt really, really deeply in relationship, you're agonise over this. Because I'll tell you this, uh, and I'll, you know, we'll just be honest with you, uh, there are some times when you've been hurt very, very deeply in relationships that the pain of being alone, at least temporarily, is, is, is less than the pain that's been inflicted upon you. Have you had that one? You had that struggle? This is the risk of opening up to sinners, right? Um, and... Th- Let me tell you this, the risk of opening up to sinners is that everyone turns into a terrorist at some point in time, (laughs) all right? We just turn into terrorists with each other at some point in time. It's not the intention of friends, but if you're going to be in any relationship, it's inevitable that at some point in time, your friend is going to work against you, not for you. Because we all get selfish, we all get messed up by things sometimes. We've all got our own issues and we've got false worship that goes on in our hearts and then people around us turn into objects for us to manipulate rather than people to love. And not only that, but the other, the other thing that is risky about actually being known is all of us have got stuff going on inside of us that's not very presentable. I wonder if you can give us bigger amen to that one. Um, and... The question really is, who's going to be brave enough to put that stuff out there? It's not just that someone can take an action against us and hurt us. It's that we we actually have some stuff that's not very lovable. And if we go sticking that out there, it's absolutely logical that someone's going to come along and go, you're not very lovable and I'm not going to be close to you. Because there is stuff in us that isn't very lovable. There's, There's a logic to it right and what we need over that stuff is people around us to give mercy and grace and knowing and being known is risky number three knowing and being known is a process now I've known some people 
Uh, and they're very, very bold people, right? And they just show up and they can just lay it all out on the line. Just completely just be open and put everything, everything on the table. They're brutally honest from the get-go. And at the end of the day, I think that, that can be really refreshing. It can accelerate the formation of friendships. But... It's actually not the way that most people roll, okay? Um, It's not the way it's meant to roll most of the time. See, for most people, and in fact, I think what is normative for friendships is that knowing and being known is a process. We do it bit by bit. And we go down five millimetres. And then next week we might go down... Six, and then maybe eight the next week. And then who knows how deep it's going to get over the years. You know, as, as people in a friendship know and are known by each other, the relationship grows and it deepens. And you, you may actually want the relationship to go quicker. That's nice but it goes at the speed that it goes. Because you remember one of the previous points is that people have a choice about how much they're known, how much they open themselves up. And if we can't microwave or fast track knowing and being known, uh, it, it develops over time. And time gives us the opportunity to have deep relationships. Number four, knowing and being known varies from person to person. You might go, well, that's obvious. Well, it's not always obvious, you know, because there's sometimes people think that everyone should have a similarly deep relationship with everything, everyone that they have around them. And I just want to say to you this morning, that's, that's not normal, <laughs> all right? Uh, it's, it's normal for there to be variation in closeness. I mean... John 15, 15 is, I mean, Jesus is clear about that. They were kind of more like servants and now they're, they're friends. And I think it's, it's logical to assume that there's others that are still servants to Jesus and not friends. There's, there's people who have got varying degrees of closeness and distance from Jesus. I mean, we see this in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. You see that? There's some that he knows, some that he doesn't. You know, what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7 is not theoretical knowledge. It's relational in nature. He doesn't have relationship with them. And so I want to say to you this morning as we consider knowing and being known, don't expect everyone to be as open as each other. It just won't happen. There will be variations in the amount people are going to be open with you. There has to be. (laughs) That's the nature of the process. And I'll say this to you as well. You, you can't be as open with everyone that you're connected to. Like, that wouldn't actually be healthy either. 
there's going to be different levels of relationship that you have with different people. Hopefully the relationship that you have with Jesus is the deepest. And then hopefully after that, if you're married, it'll be your spouse, hopefully. And then perhaps friends and hopefully family. Does anyone know what I'm talking about there? Yeah. I want to say to you, widespread deep relationships are just not possible. Now that might trouble some of you, but just get used to it. It's just the reality. Um, and I want to say this to you, your significance and your value is not tied to how many people have heart-to-hearts with you. All right? You be the person God's created you to be and you be friends with people around you and you be okay with the fact that you might be really, really close friends with this person and not quite as close of friends with that person, but we can be friends with them all, right? Well, that's what we want to shoot for. You know, none of us are wonderful people because we have all these people come to us and want to have heart-to-hearts with us. You know, be who you are and love the people who are close to you and, uh, and be engaged in the, uh, the process and realise that it varies from person to person. Number five, knowing and being known can be interrupted by sin. This makes all sorts of sense. You know, trust is a critical part of knowing and being known. And I want to say to you that when trust is broken, especially in more significant ways, people quite naturally pull back and let a smaller portion of themselves be known by other people. And you shouldn't be surprised at that. If you've sinned against someone and it's been quite a grievous sin against them, you've just got to cop the fact that they're just going to be a little bit more cautious with you because you break trust with them. Whether it's uh, one of your friends or whether it's your spouse, you know, sometimes people can do things that hurt other people so much, they just shut off wanting to be known altogether. Even though, as I said before, it's not ultimately possible. What needs to happen when trust is broken and when sin has interrupted knowing and being known in really profound ways? Well, the same thing that built it in the first place. You've got to go all the way back <laughs> and start going through the process again of knowing and being known. And I'll tell you something, if, if you're in uh, a relationship, in a friendship where someone has done something that's been deeply hurtful to you or perhaps you've done something that's deeply, deeply hurtful to others and broken trust, the person who's done the deed, it can, it can be hard for them to go at the pace they need to go at for the other party. It can be a long process and, and the person who's been hurt just wants to dial it right back and shut the door almost completely. And the person who's done the deed needs to be able to work with that. All right? Because, why? Because you can't open the petals of a flower without mangling it. <laughs> you with me? You, you just need to wait and go through the process and hang in. And I'll tell you something, you know, one of the things we're going to look at next week about friendship is that friends are faithful. So what does the person need to do if they've offended and broken trust and it's been dialed right back and they couldn't get back what they had? 
Well, you be faithful. That's what you do. And you do whatever you need to do to restore the friendship. You hang around and you, you enter into the process of knowing and being known, even if it's way back near the start line. Because it's really difficult to get back what you've lost sometimes when uh, deep, deep things have happened. So, there you go. Knowing and being known is a choice. It's risky. It's a process. It varies from person to person and it can be interrupted by sin. Now, if you're anything like me, you think about that list and it all seems pretty fluid right? If you're, uh, if you're risk adverse, you just be going, all right, okay, note to self, don't do friendships, all right? Um, because all sorts of things can go down. And so the question that I want to end on today, and maybe the music team can come up, the question I want to end on today is uh, this question, what, what can stabilize you so that you can sail into these contexts with a degree of stability? And I want to uh, give you a little lesson, if you don't know it already, on ships, okay? Boats. You heard of the term ballast? Ballast. That's a diagram of what ballast is. Ballast is the blue bit in the bottom. The ballast in a ship is always below the water. And the ballast in the bottom of a ship counters the effect of the weight on the top of the ship that might actually tip it over. So if the top of the friendship boat, if I can do this for you and just use this metaphor, if the top of the friendship boat is swaying, what's the ballast in the bottom of the ship that's going to help it to stay true? That's the question. Or another way to put it is this. Where are you going to get the security to be open with fallen people in fluid contexts? Now, I'd love to say to you that in 2022 as Restoration Church, no one is going to offend anyone else in Restoration Church, all right? And I'd, I'd love to just make a law. If I, It's like, you're not allowed to, all right? Because that actually is my heart for you. It's like, you are not allowed to hurt each other. But it's, it's going to happen. You know, I said in a sermon a, a little while ago, I said... Uh, The scriptures say that we need to be in a community where we forgive one another. That implicitly means that we need to be close enough to hurt each other. You know, if you're in church and you're not close enough for anyone here, for you to need to forgive anyone here, you're probably not close enough to them. But what's the ballast? What's the balance, the, the ballast in the friendship boat that can keep us running through even when it sways around a bit. Well, do you know what it is? It's, you hear this over and over again, but I'll just say it again. It's your relationship with God. God will never turn into a terrorist with you. He won't do that. God will never take advantage of you. He will never treat you like an object. He will consistently love you. He, he is the only one who actually knows you truly and won't ever reject you. Now, you can be brutally honest with him. You know, 
other people can find out some stuff about you that's a bit murky and they go, oh man, I didn't know you were like that. And it's like, you could actually respond and you could go, well, Jesus knows way worse than that. (laughs) All right? And he still loves me. And I'm okay because he loves me. You haven't seen anything yet. See, there's something about that that's like God's seen the least presentable stuff of all of us here. And he loves us, right? And we're secure in him. And, and so then if we go out and other people are, you know, the friendship boat is, is rocking, that can hold us, hold us true. The anchor for knowing and being known with sinners is knowing and being known by God. That's what it is. That's the anchor. So what's my encouragement to you? My encouragement to you is uh, be wisely open with others. Walk alongside them in friendship. It's not just about you. Other people need you to walk alongside them in friendship. We all need friends. The path that all of us have to walk is a, uh, it's a dangerous one at times. True? And you're not meant to do it on your own. No one's meant to do it on their own. There's this story many of you know called the Lord of the Rings. There's a ring that um, it's a very powerful ring and it needs to be destroyed in a mountain. And um, a wizard decides the best person for that task is a small, weak hobbit. A small, vulnerable hobbit called Frodo. But there's a difference, right? Because Frodo has friends, right? Frodo has friends. And it's Frodo's friends in the story that make all the difference. Let me read you a section out of the, uh, the novel. This is Frodo's friends talking to him. You can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin, to the, better, to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you yourself keep it. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo. Anyway, there it is. We know most of what Gandalf has told you. That's the wizard. We know a good deal about the ring. We are horribly afraid. But we are coming with you or following you like hounds. Friends are faithful, and we have a dangerous journey to, uh, to walk with many potential pitfalls, but hopefully lots of friends. Amen.